Hey, this is Andy Jenkins. I'm actually not not in my attic again. I'm in my kitchen because, well, I, I can kind of work from downstairs right now. It's it's so strange. Everybody is out of the house. This is spring break week, and the kids have gone with Christy, as I told you not too long ago. I've recorded a few of these while they're gone. They, they've gone up to DeSoto Caverns in the Fort Payne area to uh, really do some hiking, some uh, cabin-type camping, some riding the bike, some just hanging out, board games, all that kind of stuff. The the thing I, I've told you before, I think, is that you know, family and fun. Those those two things like really converge. Those are Christie's. Uh, th- those are her jam. Those are her thing. And I, I think you could add friends into that mix too. Like th- those are um, really kind of the highlights for her. And so we had some work that we needed to do around the house. Had some sheetrock repair. Just you know, some of those maintenance things with old houses. And so. Uh, I had a few things to do here, including that, and you can't do that while people are in just because of the mess. And so the idea was, hey, maybe they get away and maybe they recharge and I focus on doing those things. And so there has been this moment for them of, get this, of rest. And that's really what I want to talk about today is is rest. Now, shifting gears and talking about rest, I've... I've been in the middle for the last, uh, let's say, few weeks, maybe month, month and a half, uh, as of the recording of this, of, uh, goodness, you know, a situation going on personally um, that I really can't control. Like, I'm coming to the conclusion, or, or the reality. It's, it's not even a conclusion that I've drawn. It's just the wake up. You know, at some point you wake up and you realize... Man, goodness, there, there, there are a lot of things in life I can control, and there are way more things that I cannot. There are so many factors that are things that we, we try to control them, but we, we just can't. We can't control the traffic. We can't control a lot of the variables that go on at work. We can't control as much as we'd like to with business. We can't control the market or the market conditions. We can't control you know, you know the weather we can't control other people and how they interpret things and how they respond to things and what they do with the relationship. Like relationships and things are all two-sided and you can only control what you can control. And it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, every farmer plants and harvests and does the harvesting after the cultivating and every farmer puts seed in the ground and puts the right seed they hope and cultivates it the right way they hope and if they mess it up hopefully they go back and they fix it they hope and they tend to it and nourish it enough they hope but ultimately that harvest the outcome is not in their control you can only do a certain amount with the seed right like it's the miracle power that's carried in it and a lot of it is just left up to providence so you do what you can and then you entrust it and that leads me to it's it's kind of a good segue because in the last couple of weeks I've talked about emotions and feeling and um, in this episode in this talk I really want to kind of segue into this idea of rest and pause and you can only rest from things if you have this high degree, this level of trust that your Heavenly Father has it, right? And you can only really kind of be free with the emotions and 
live in that tension of it doesn't feel okay, but it's going to be okay. You can only kind of be in that world, sidestepping, straddling that. If, if, if you have this trust, and you can only rest, you can only breathe if there's that trust. Now, I, I talked about this when I was in the emotions class not too long ago. I, I taught a workshop down in the Prattville area uh, at Grace Life Church down there with my friend Phil Bevilacqua. He's the, he's the leader there. And I, I felt like I should include this part on rest at the end of the whole thing on emotions because one of the things that I've noticed that gets my emotions so high strung and so out of balance is when, when honestly I've got too much going on. Uh, is one thing. I, I realized that, goodness, over the last several years, like I've been short, quick-tempered, snappy, snippy, can't, can't even identify why. And a lot of times it's easy to just kind of point at other people and point at other factors and go, oh, hey, this, this is why, this is what caused that, when really it might not be that that caused it at all. Yeah, yeah sure, they, they might have done something that didn't sit well with me. Or, or they might have said something that hurt my feelings, or they might have they might have actually done an action that uh, I uh, felt was hurtful to me in some way. But but the reality is, most of that stuff is it's so much easier. And by the way, that that never excuses just being short and snippy, right? Like it it doesn't excuse that. If even if somebody else does something that's kind of the last factor before that, that that never that never allows for an unhealthy response. Um. I've noticed, though, that when I'm not so busy, when there's not so much going on, when I'm not so already high-strung, that I tend to take those things more in stride. I tend to have a healthier response even when there's something hurtful or harmful that's done to me. And, and honestly, some of the things aren't hurtful or harmful. Some of, some of them we just interpret that way because we're already at our stress limit. We're already at our stress ceiling. It's almost like I saw a counselor say this. Uh, she presented this to me not... Not too long ago, we had one of the boys uh, in therapy, and she said it's kind of like this balloon, and the balloon is blowing up and blowing up, and the balloon is kind of the limits of your stress, and you keep pushing more stress into it and pushing more stress into it and pushing more stress into it. And at some point, you know, that thing just keeps expanding and expanding, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter the whole time, and it's either going it's either going to squeal and make this high pitch, just long, exaggerated. You, you kind of know how that does with balloons, right? Or it just explodes. And man, I, I think a lot of the squealing that we hear from people and a lot of the explosion we hear from people in, in the world of the emotions, I know this is what's happened to me, is because there's just so much in the balloon that you've hit the limit. And what what you got to do is you got to just release the valve and let the pressure out. And that only happens when you take this pause and rest. If you don't rest, you keep filling up the pressure. You keep filling up the balloon. And at some point, that thing is going to explode. I think uh, reason number two that I have probably operated this uh, snippy snappy, I just say explosive level. Um, for a while is is because um, there's this long season of life where I have hidden a lot. You know, this this I told you before, this kind of big catch word for me this year has been relationship. Like that's the thing that I'm seeing and really starting to lean into. And that means intimacy, 
rather than control. That means vulnerability rather than hiding. That means disclosure and openness rather than being closed off. And, and I've noticed the more that we hide, the more that we're less vulnerable, the more that we try to control, the more stress that's created because we're trying to really lean into the outcome rather than leaning into the people. And now the reality is sometimes when you lean into people, they're going to respond in ways that hurt you. They're, you open yourself up to that. But But I'm seeing that most of the time, Man, most of the time, people just want to lean in close to you as well because they want you to lean in close to them. Like most people want the vulnerability, the intimacy. We're created for that. We're, we're wired for it. And when somebody takes the lead on that, the other person, they, they respond and they, they reciprocate. And there become more times when they also take the lead on that tenderness, that openness, that vulnerability. And, and the more that I've hidden, the more that I've... Um, stepped away and shunned openness. And, and particularly, honestly, when I've hidden sin issues and just buried big stuff under the rug, when, when I've done that, it creates all kinds of stress and tension because you you get afraid. I'm going to be found out. You, you get afraid. Like something's going to come come to fruition here. And there, there's this great verse. It's come to mean a lot to me lately. It, Proverbs says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked flee when no one's pursuing them. The, the righteous are courageous, but the person who's hiding something, like they run in fear when no one's even chasing them. And, and it's this idea, I think, that righteous is a relational term. It just kind of means that you've got everything in this just right standing as best as you can with other people. You're treating them honorably, that the relationships are clear. And when the relationships are clear, there, there's not really any fear. You're not worried about people finding out something. You're not worried about hiding some issue. You're not worried about, well, what are they going to think if they learn about what I did? Or that, what are they going to think if they learn about what I said? What are they going to think if they, you know, there's nothing that's going to come out that's going to take you by surprise. And so it, it takes away, it takes away the stress and that makes for ease and that makes for this place of rest and and you know I, th- this is kind of a rabbit trail on this. I promise this talk is about rest, but but maybe this is kind of alluding to that. There's this great movie. I, I don't know that I'd say great. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I'd recommend it to you. Actually, you know, now that I said that, Eight Mile, Eminem is in it, and just this. Uh, I, I don't really like rap music, but if you listen to this guy, man, no doubt he is super skilled and can make rhymes and rhythm out of anything. And in, in the movie, he's this up-and-coming rapper that is dealing with a lot of he's dealing with a lot of issues. He's dealing with poverty. He's dealing with relational issues with his girlfriend. He's dealing with relational issues of trying to fit in in this city. He's dealing with relational issues in terms of racial tension. He's just issue after issue after issue, things that honestly would make us hide. And there's this episode in the end of it where, where there's this, they're kind of doing this wrap-off, and they compete against each other. One guy raps for maybe 30 or 60 seconds, and then the other guy raps for 30 or 60 seconds. And the way that they do it is when they're rapping, like one guy tries to insult the other and elevate himself by putting the other one down. And this just goes on over and over and over, and they all kind of do this. This is kind of how it works, where one guy insults the other, puts the other one down, the other guy then has his way to insult the other and put him down, and then everybody kind of votes by clapping and cheering like who was the best rapper, meaning who had the biggest insult of the other. And so it gets into the final wrap-off. 
and Eminem is there. The, the character is there. And he does this twist on things. Rather than insulting the other guy and elevating his stress, he, he just comes clean in the rap about every single issue that's going on in his life. He just exposes every flaw. He, he, he takes away the ammunition of the accuser, in other words, because he just walks this thing out into the light. He takes away anything that could come against him. Like It only has power when you're hiding it. It only has power when you let it have power because you try to seclude it. And that's that's what this Proverbs thing is getting is like, hey, the righteous, the one who's just going to be in right standing and just own it is bold. He can get on stage and when he's... Not that he doesn't have anything to hide, right? But but he just says, hey, this stuff that would typically be hidden is just going to be, I'm just going to disclose it myself. It takes away the power. And he's as bold as a lion. He no longer pursues thinking that somebody's chasing him, thinking that somebody's trying to get him because he's he's already gotten it. It's already out there. And in that rap, like it, it takes away the power of the accuser where it comes to the next guy's turn to rap. Like, you know, Eminem leaves it with some line similar to, hey, now tell everybody something that they don't know about me. And there's, there's nothing left to say. And so I think for me, like I've been in this high stress emotional roller coaster for a while. And, and you might not have known that. Like you, you, you might not, because again, I've told you like, you know, emotions are kind of this easy thing to hide, particularly if you have good spiritual sounding language, you know? And I, I think that those are the two factors for that. Like one is this emotion thing has just been out of whack because there's been so much going on, so busy, which requires rest. And number two is hiding and, and, and trying not to be seen for who I really am, which, which also, in some sense, requires this topic of, of rest, of, of not controlling, of not persisting, of not pushing on, of not, hey, I'm going to keep moving on. I'm going to keep just pressing and pressing and pressing, but just stepping back from all of it. And stepping back and letting grace move in and do its incredible work. Now, let me um, let me let me maybe tell you foundationally where some of this I think comes from. Uh, Foundationally, you you got to go way back in the beginning of the Bible. In fact, you got to go all the way back in Genesis chapter one. And there's this lesson from creation that I want to talk to you about. And and it's it's one of these that's kind of it's it's kind of subtle. We don't generally pay attention to it. It's a line that's repeated over and over throughout the first page of the Bible. I'm flipping to it right now. It's this line that you see, I mean, literally just repeated. But because it doesn't seem to be the central part of the story, we don't generally pay attention to it. We just um, move on and look at the next thing. But but here it is. Like, let, let me let me show you. Like in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. There was light. He called the light day. Verse 5, the evening, night. And, and then here's the phrase, I want you to pick up on. There was evening and then there was morning the first day. And then we move into the next day. We, we move into the next stuff. God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the water. Let it be for separating water from water. He made the expanse. He keeps on going. Verse 8. Then there was evening and there was morning the second day. And then this thing continues. Like we, we read more. Uh, 
like, let me go to verse 11. God, God said, let, let there be grass, green plants yielding fruit, fruit trees with seed, each according to its species. It happened. It, you keep on going. Verse 13, there, there was evening and there was morning the third day. And, and then in the next day, God sets lights in the heavens. And you get to verse 19, there was evening, there was morning the fourth day. And, and then on day five, God makes swarms of living creatures, flying creatures, creatures on the land. Cre- Verse 23, there was evening, morning, the fifth day. Verse 24 is the next day. The land breathes forth living creatures, livestock, crawling creatures, wild animals, according to their species. And then verse 26, God says, let us make man in our own image. And so in the image of God, he created them, male and female. And you get down to the end of that day, verse 31 there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. There seems to be to me this rhythm of creation that, 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 that which means like if it's in the created order, if it's if it's how God originally set things up, then then this is the order of how things are. That it's how we were designed to be. Like this is this is a pre-sin, pre-fall issue. Like this is something that we see that's not a result of any chaos that was caused. Like this is just this this is just like in the beginning. You look and you go, man. Uh, and you know about that law of first mention thing that I've talked about before. Like when you want to really understand something, you just look at the first time we see it in the scripture, and and then we understand based on how that was used and how it's appeared the first time. Like oh. This is how we should understand that. And and the way that we understand the rhythm of a day is evening first, then light. Uh, even today, like when Jewish people celebrate the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath is on Saturday, but, but it starts at 6 p.m. It starts technically at sundown on Friday. And it goes all the way through Saturday until 6 p.m. on Saturday evening. In, in other words, the Sabbath is evening, Friday evening. They begin the Sabbath with this meal, and, and then they move into this time of, of sleep. Evening and morning, the Sabbath. And the cue from that is day, day seven of creation. It happened, the heavens and earth. I'm reading in chapter two, verse one. Heavens and earth were completed with the entire array. God completed. And on the seventh day, his work that he made, he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he had made. And you go, how would that seventh day have been? It would have been evening and then morning the seventh day. Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross, that would have been, this would have been on Friday during the day. Good Friday, we celebrate that every time right before Easter, Good Friday. And and they would have crucified him about the hour of noon until three o'clock, which is when the Passover lambs would have been slaughtered. But you remember the story, like they, they went to check and see if they needed to break his bones and get him off the cross because they needed to get him off the cross by 6 p.m. because, because of Sabbath. They weren't going to leave him up overnight. They weren't going to leave him up through the Sabbath. They were going to clear the hill. Why? Because evening and morning, Sabbath. Here, here's what I'm getting at. Like we, we do our day like this. We, we do our day. Think, think about this. I do my day like day, 
Like run as hard as I can, get up 536, sometimes earlier than that, run and blow it out as hard, as fast as I can all day. And then at the end of the day, I'm so exhausted that I just collapse. Like my day starts with just the fluster and the busy and the whirlwind of everything. And it's just in the emotions go into high gear overdrive. And what I'm saying is that we weren't designed maybe for the end of the day to be like this. Oh gosh, I got to recover from that. We were designed for the day to start maybe with evening and then morning the day. Now, I'm not proposing that like you wake up at midnight and start the day. I'm not proposing that we go redo like the calendar and the schedule and how we do it. But but I'm like looking at it going, man, is there something here in the created order in how things were that tells us how we're designed? Is there something here that just gives us a clue and says, hey, like maybe like mentally and emotionally, like when we come in from work at 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 3 p.m., whenever it is that you're coming in, like if that's landing the plane and go, man, I'm hanging that up and I'm not burning it into the evening. I'm, I'm hanging that up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, socially, I'm hanging that up and I'm going into this period of rest because the created order started with evening and morning. The created order, it was always rest first. Here's where it gets even more interesting. Now, Adam and Eve, according to that story, they're created on the sixth day. And they're created, you you see, God creates all of these animals and all of these other parts of creation on the sixth day, as well as Adam and Eve. They're not the only thing. Humans aren't the only thing made on day six. So we're actually made, though, last on day six, like at the end of the entire day. And so you kind of get this. The sixth day starts with rest, dark, and then there's light. And there's all this creation that happens. And then at the end of that day, Adam and Eve are created and they go right into the seventh day. They go right into evening, morning, the seventh day. Meaning they're not even around for a full day until they go into the next day. And then the next day starts with rest. And then the whole day is, it's evening, rest, and morning, morning time of a full day of rest. Like humanity began at the end of the sixth day and entered into that seventh day of Sabbath. It's how we were, it's how we were made. Like we weren't created to first perform. We were first created for, get that, get, get, get that, presence. If you think about it, um, if you listen to music, any kind of music, Man, one of the most important things in the music is the rest, right? If, if you don't have the rest, you don't have music, you have noise. It, it's the right notes being played at the right time on, and it's the right notes coming off at the correct time. You've got to have the rest to have music. You've got to have the rest to have this song of life, or it's just noise, and the balloon is filling and filling and filling, and it's going to squeal or explode. There's got to be this release. And when you look at it in the creative order, it's like the release was first. 
It wasn't even like fill it up and then release it. Like it was release, like, like breathe first. Here, here's what's more interesting to me. Like it just goes a whole nother level. I, I told you like there's some issues like in life that I'm trying to sort out right now and they're out of my control. There's nothing I can do about some of these issues. There's nothing I can do to sort them. It's it's in it's in the Lord's hands. It's in other people's hands. It's in I I don't know how I don't know how some of them are going to resolve. You know, apart apart from His grace. And and I look and arguably in creation the the most glorious thing that Adam was involved with was in Genesis chapter 2 verse 21 um it it says like you know in Genesis chapter 1 it just says he created Adam and Eve like both of them male and female he created them in his image and that was it the sixth day and there's this there's this second look that we get at it in Genesis chapter 2 now uh, l- let me kind of give you a heads up like 1 Corinthians 11 talks about woman being the glory of man and I, I don't think that's a condescending verse at all. I'm, I'm flipping to the passage if I can find it. Like it, it, it's 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 just like this idea that she is the pinnacle of creation. Like she is she is. If, if you look in creation, everything at the beginning seems to be more basic, and and as you go, everything after that gets more complex and more glorious. And and I, I mean both of that in this affirmative. Um, a gracious way that that the woman is the final pinnacle of creation. She she is the glory of creation. Like, and here's what's interesting is she comes out of the side of man. And I've I've heard all of these wedding um, sermon sermonettes homilies where the pastor, and I think rightly so, like he says, the woman was not taken from the head of man. She's not to rule over him. She wasn't taken from the feet of man. She was not designed to rule over him. She's taken from out of his side, you know, and she's going to be a partner, a companion to walk side by side with him. Like, like even in the scripture, sometimes, you know, we see that she was made to be a helper suitable for the man. That word, that word is used of God all throughout the Psalms that he is our helper in times of need. Like he's the one that empowers and makes things work. It's the same word used of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes beside uh, a Christian. In the book of John, Jesus uses that word, I'll send the helper. It's not a derogatory term. It is the empowering one. It is the one that makes stuff work. It, it's, it's the quintessential glory she is of creation. And here's what's interesting about that is... The scripture says uh, in Genesis chapter two twenty one that when the Lord decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to create this woman, like Adam had looked and every other uh, created being has a partner, a suitable companion for them, but there's not one film for the man. And he sees this, he notices this. And I, and I think God knew, I, I think he just wanted and needed Adam to see for himself. And so he sees it and the Lord makes a suitable companion helper from his side. Here's, here's how it happens. The Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon man, and then he takes one of his ribs, and he fashions a woman into it. So uh, man, Adam made from the dirt, Eve made from the man. She comes out of the side of of the man. And here's, here's where it gets really interesting, is the most glorious thing in all of creation is the woman. The woman comes from out of the side of man. So like he was necessary for her to even be created. You know, that first one since then, like we've needed women to create all the men. But 
he's a necessary ingredient, but yet he sleeps through the entire thing. Like there's this moment where the Lord is doing it and he is even at rest, Adam is, while the Lord is doing this amazing work. It leads me to this, like rest is this time. It's this time when God is able to take the lead and do it. It's this time that's built in the fabric of creation where we're designed to start, um, not finish, but where we're designed to begin, uh, not not recover. Like, like, yeah, there, there is this recovery aspect of rest. In fact, um, scientists will say this, that like rest is when your body actually rebuilds itself. Like your physical body rebuilds the breakdown of the day when you sleep. This is why like if you go for a prolonged time without enough sleep, like your body tends to just get sick. I, I don't get sick that often, but I can tell that when I do, it's really just my body kind of kicking back and saying, oh, you, you got to rest. Like there are these seasons where I would be in graduate school and I would be staying up just late at night for a week at a time, just kind of writing off all my term papers for the semester and just kind of trying to offload that and get it done. And at the end of that week or two week period, like my body would just say, we're, we're done. We're, we're shutting down for a day or two. And I would get these symptoms of, of being sick, dealing with some of the stuff I've been dealing with lately and being up late. It's just kind of emotionally taking this toll on me. And I, I got sick and it's just my body kicking back saying, hey, you've not given us the time. You've not given ourselves time to rebuild, to recharge, to physically rejuvenate. Rest is this necessary thing. And, and it's like, if you don't do it, your body will recharge. But we weren't designed to rest just so that we could recharge. Rest was where we were designed to begin. Rest is this time when you sleep. Scientists say your mind actually processes and works things out. Like I've seen that. I've, I've been digging deep into some past stuff. And over the last few weeks, I've asked the Lord to reveal some things to me. And what's, what's happened is um, while I'm sleeping, I really believe that he's woken me up in the middle of the night a few times and just really showed me, oh, hey, you you need to deal with this issue. Um, write it down, make a note of it, go back to sleep. And generally, at that point, I can go back to sleep after I process it for a little bit and then deal with this tomorrow and fix it or clean this mess up or clean this relational thing or reach out to that person or go deal with this issue or handle this dishonesty or handle that behavior or, you know... And I can deal with it in that point. Why? Because my mind has processed it when I'm asleep. This is why I think like when you're, when you're driving down the street and, and you're just out and you're going for a ride in your vehicle somewhere, maybe you're just riding to the beach or somewhere where, where you're not going to be anxious. Like if you're riding to a, a meeting that's going to be overwhelming, like sometimes this doesn't work. But if you're riding to something, you can just kind of mindlessly check out and you, you just start thinking about things. And all of a sudden problems are solved or emotions drop or things become healed in your mind or you get the truth of the Holy Spirit or the wisdom of God on something. Why and how? Well, it's because your mind processes when you sleep and when you're at rest. I, I think that like daydreaming then maybe becomes this um, 
place of just mental ease where, like even scientists say, your brain, your inner brain, the processing part, maybe the limbic system, we've talked about that before, becomes, get this, up to 20 times more active. And you're not straining to make it happen. Like it's happening. It's, it's happening. And the Lord, I believe, is downloading and depositing things into you because there's suddenly space. You're not filling up the balloon with stuff from the external world or, or not blowing in the hard, tough stuff. Like there's just this place where you can just be at ease. And in my mind, like this is where inner healing takes place. This is where ideas fit together, yet this is a place for me, like if I could just be honest, that we, I, avoid. Why? Well, it's because sometimes maybe it's hard to, to just be alone with you, right? Like we, if I'm honest, me, I, I prefer to stay busy. If I'm honest, there, there are parts of my story in the past, parts of things that I'm uncovering and wrestling with and going, oh man, I need, I need to get that emotional thing healed. I need to get that sin taken care of. Did Jesus forget? Yeah, ab- absolutely. But there's still this part of ownership of taking it and walking through and clearing relational rifts and dealing with some of the tough stuff so that the roots are dug up so that the fruit doesn't continue to reappear, Right. And so you, you deal with it. And it's harder to deal with that sometimes than it is to just get busy and just to push. But, but you see, rest is when we recharge and rest is when we start. It's the beginning point of the created rhythm. And just like Adam did, the greatest work that he ever did was participating in the creation of the woman it happened when the Lord did it. And the Lord did it while he was in this deep sleep. Rest. I was studying uh, PTSD over the last year, and that led me to studying some about soldiers and reading some about their life and what they face in combat. And one of the things that I read was that they don't get much sleep. That's not a surprise to you. I mean, who would sleep on a battle line and... Um, the person I was reading said that, you know, really it's important that they sleep because your decision-making capability and your ability to handle emotions and the ability to handle tough stuff, it it just works better when you get enough rest. In fact, the, the researcher that studied this said that if you sleep for less than six hours a night for two weeks, then you're functionally living as if you're drunk. Now, they didn't mean... Um, you can't walk. They didn't mean you're intoxicated so much that you're tripping over yourself, but they meant like you've got this equivalent of, let's just call it a couple of glasses of wine buzz, where where your decision-making is just not 100%. Now, I know in our culture, you know, you run into somebody, you bump into them, how are you doing? They, They say, I'm busy. And they almost lead with I am busy as if it is a marker of valuation of their personal worth. I've done that before. How are you doing? I'm busy. And then you want to list off like I'm working on this and I'm doing this and I'm creating this. And and honestly, like if I just tell you the truth, it's because I got value from those things and I was using those to prop up my identity. That's hard to say, but that's, that's just true. 
And and maybe maybe there's this place in us where if if we're just honest about you know, hey, I, how are you doing? Man, I'm great. I feel recharged. I feel rejuvenated. I've had this busy week at work, but goodness, like I had this amazing weekend with with my kids and I've had some great time cooking out on the back deck with some friends and we just went and watched a movie and I just read this incredible book where I learned so much. Like, like there's this space in us that maybe feels squanderous of time, squanderous of the gift of time that we've been given if we're not productive, but just present. And, and maybe we need to flip it and look back and say, hey, like the whole created rhythm was being present first. Rest, then then production. Yeah, yeah. you and I were created to do some incredible things. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it's by grace you're saved. Not, not by your work so that none of us can boast. God created us as his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do incredible works that he designed beforehand that we would walk in. Like before the foundation of the world, he set you apart. Just like he set Jeremiah apart to be a prophet, just like he set Paul apart to be an apostle, which by the way, Paul says he did that before he was born. He says this, this is kind of something I'm, I'm working on. He did this before Paul, Paul was even born. He set him aside to be an apostle. And, and that was before, if you remember, like when Paul got into his adult life, he was persecuting Christians. Yet there's that tension that God had set him aside to do the amazing work that he was going to do in his midlife. He had set him aside before he made all the mistakes that he made. Like the mistakes weren't a surprise for God. And I'm leaning into that right now, realizing, gosh, there are parts of the story of mine that I don't want to own, or I'm owning them. I want to own them, but gosh, I haven't wanted to come to terms with them. And I, I am. And it doesn't negate that God set you apart. There's this thing in Romans where it says the gift and calling of God, they're irrevocable. Why are they irrevocable? Because he set them up before you were born. He set them up from the beginning before you ever showed up and made any mistakes and before you ever showed up and made any great things. In other words, he set that call on you when you were in, before you were an infant, before you were born, when you're in the womb, when there's this time of rest, when you're a child, when there's no production, you're just in the enjoy and play season of life. Life that's nothing but play and rest. You see? And I, and I think you and I are created to produce. We're created to steward this world well. We're created to steward the great gifts that we have. Peter says, if you speak, speak as if you're speaking the words of God. If you serve, serve as if it's God himself serving Goodness, Paul, in the book of Corinthians, you know, the first letter, he says, like, he he would speak to people and plead with people as if it's God himself pleading through those people, you know, like, for you to live as Christ, for you is to express what he would do. But, But we don't start off with the doing, we start off with the just being present, rest. And I, and I think, Man, my emotions would be so more even kill if they started with rest. You've seen it in toddlers, right? Man, they get whiny, they get fussy, their emotions get out of whack. It's easy to see in them. They get they get jacked up. You're like, man, that kid just needs a nap. What are you saying? He just needs a rest. And when he rests, he's gonna be fine. Or he just needs to go to bed. He's had a long day, and after he rests, he's gonna be okay. Because why? That's where it all starts. That's where it all 
begins. With that, I'm going to sign off. And my prayer for you is, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious and shine His face of favor upon you. And may He do that as you lean into the rest. As you lean into, like Exodus 31, 17 says, the Lord God Himself on the seventh day rested from all the work that He did. And He was, I love the Hebrew word there, vayinafashed. He was refreshed. He was just, may you lean into His face and may you too experience that vayinafash, that rest, grace, peace. Until next time, shalom.